0: Welcome to Beware of Spoilers. I am Adam. The reverb on the intro means that, again, I'm exhausted. It's 8.46. I'm hungry. I don't want to go home. So rather than doing what I've been doing and recording after I see the movie on my laptop and then re-editing the episode later, it's also very cold. Um, when I say very cold, I mean it's 41 degrees. I'm not dressed for the weather. And sitting in my car as it warms up in the parking lot of a movie theater isn't fun for me. So, we're going to do this the phone way, and I'm going to record my thoughts as I drive home. So, hopefully you're uh, you're strapped in for this. Uh, today we're talking about, as the title would suggest, Spencer. The biopic. I guess we'll call it a biopic, even though it does... Um take liberties with, you know, reality, um, which isn't a problem necessarily, um, because a biopic, there is no truly factual biopic, and I think it's the first thing we really need to address here, is that the idea of a factual biopic is a fallacy, because it, it, in the same way there is no such thing as objective journalism, because it, it be it, you know, language choice, be it, um... What the fuck is that? Oh, bath and body works. Be it language choice, be it, um... You know, political leanings of the writer, Everything's gonna influence the way that something is framed and something is done. Um, if the people involved in the biopic are still alive, that's certainly going to influence how, how, it, how it comes across. And, and now that's less the issue here, because, like, it's... It, it's telling the story of Princess Diana... Um, and most of the people involved are still alive, her kids are still alive, uh, her husband's still alive, or her ex-husband's still alive, um, you know, the queen is still alive, um, so, like, all of these principal, you know, actors, for lack of a better word, are all still alive and still, um, you know, there, um, the movie doesn't seem contend to, uh, to 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 be uh, like concerned with the prospect of pissing off the uh, what's it called, pissing off the uh, um, the 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 queen of England and and the royal family, which okay I, I I mean here's the thing, um the the liberties it takes are you know probably for the sake of entertaining um and this is probably the first time in history of both the biopic as a genre and, and maybe in film I I'm not super well versed in other times it's happened, but I'm thinking this is probably the first time they've that a biopic has blended with um what's it called? Um has blended with a psychological thriller in this way. Where the 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 character arc that Diana goes through is is similar to what you'd see in like any number of other movies. And the one that I got to the end and I was really, you know, the, the the number one comparison when I reached the end of this movie and I know this is going to sound bad considering everything else I talk about on this fucking show, the the, the most the, the the most striking comparison is Joker. Where we we watch this movie happen, we watch her mental decline and we understand why it happens and then when we get to the end, it it all makes sense. The difference is rather than going on to a nighttime talk show and shooting Robert De Niro in the face, um, Princess Diana, you know, takes her kids and leaves um, at Christmas. And I I gotta give the movie credit. It does a great job with really building in every little thing about it. And there are a lot of things in this movie besides Kristen Stewart's performance, and I cannot say enough to to praise Kristen Stewart's performance. I I don't think that... I've ever seen an Oscar race where it's this clear cut, this far out, that there is no chance of anyone winning Best Actress this year besides Kristen Stewart. I probably would have said that last year um, with Chadwick Boseman. But, you know, I, I probably would have, you know... This is the first time that, based on performance, there's this far... This this clear of a a winner uh, already. um, Because she carries the movie on her back um, through her performance. Because a lot of times she's playing off herself. She's playing off of small cast members who don't have huge roles. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where she's... Everything about this movie comes down to her and what she does. Now, um... So... There is a lot in this movie that really builds into this... Um, What's one looking for? Like the, like the... It's not just her performance that sells the the psychological decline and all of that. It's... There are other things in the movie that, that really are, are caked into it from a direction standpoint. That allow us as the audience to feel it with her. Which is a big part of a psychological thriller. It's like... Last Night in Soho was not a psychological thriller, it was a paranormal horror movie. This is more, this one does more because it can generate the same emotions the main character is feeling. Um, Through the use of cinematography, you can project those feelings onto the audience. And and this movie is a masterclass in that. And I think that there, if you, this movie is one that can be used as soon as it comes out on DVD... In a film class. To project emotions onto an audience. And I think that like. Let's start out with like the most basic. And that's um, framing shots in a way that can you know create anxiety. And that mo- this movie does that a lot. Where um, toward the beginning and then at, at the church around Christmas. I'm going to spoil the movie. But it's also a movie about Princess Diana's life. Even if it is slightly dramatized. Or majorly dramatized. Um, like. It, it it's all kind of public record. Um, so when you when you look at like the, the scene at Christmas where she she's there, and the paparazzi all taking pictures and all that is going on, um, and, and other times like at dinner and when she first arrives and all of that, they'll use a very tight close up on her face, and the camera will not just it won't just be a static on her face, it'll be the camera moving, because what that does is it creates this kind of claustrophobia in the viewer, because we have taken the space that we normally would have this, you know, for a shot like this of her, you know, being t- pictures taken by paparazzi, typically in a movie, we would we would see that shot from a wide angle, and we would see, you know, broadly, it'd be a glamour shot to make her, like, feel, like, look like she's, um, what's it called, to make it look like she's, you know... Equal participant in this In this thing and and it's not just You know them full uh, Like whole cloth taking advantage of her Um, So And I think that like this When when you pull it in that close What you do is you generate this Sense of claustrophobia where You know you feel as trapped As she does then because there is Nothing behind her of value You see the sky but there is nothing Really behind her that can Make you feel like you are, um, what's it called, you are um, able to escape, which, which is a big part of this. Uh, so that, that's, that's you know, one thing. Another thing is um, music swelling. Um, in one scene, they, they make full use of a string quartet that is in the room. And for the scene, the scene is kind of told from the perspective of Diana. Um, no one else at the dinner table is not, it's not that they're not in focus, but they're not important, besides Charles, Charles is the only one who's important in that scene, he's the only one who she's seeing, everyone else around them might as well be no one, it might as well just be them two in the scene, and as she's in this scene, and as she's, you know, dealing with the fact that this pearl necklace that she got was the same pearl necklace that, um, what's it called, that, um, got for, I guess it would be Cam- um, Camilla. Um because it's the same thing, he um, like she, she, it's, it's tugging at her and she can like she's, she's like pawing at it and like, you know, it's this real like primal get this thing off of me kind of mentality that she's expressing through that. And all while that's happening, the music's getting louder and louder and louder. and it, it just builds the anxiety of the scene. Um, and it does that very well. Um, and one final thing that this movie does that, like you know, to, to really lay into that, is it's a small thing, but I picked up while I was watching. It's that as the movie goes on and her her mental state declines, um, one of the things that's kind of contrasting all of that is the sheer opulence that the royal family um, displays through the entire movie. It's it is. Consumption on a scale that is disgusting, like to, to the point where it's like you you it's, you have all of these options in front of you, all of these delicious foods, all of this stuff. This house is massive, and everything around them is, you know, painted gold and beautiful, and all of that around them is happening, and yet you still feel as she's going through this moment, and as she's, you know, as as we as this is all happening, it's it's kind of contrasting with who she is, and that's a, that's a major part of it, and I, I we get to one, as you go through, um, it's kind of used in the same way you would use a title card, it's going for dinner, or going for a meal, um, and as her mental state deteriorates, the meals get more intricate. And more nuanced, and there's more moving parts to each meal, and it's in, in, and at its peak, they're there for a good three minutes while she's just walking through the 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 building, and it's just you just hear him rattling off all the rules like this one doesn't like organic, this one does like organic, this one has is having this, this one's having this, this one's having this, and that whole thing kind of happens and pushes you along. And it, 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 it becomes very obvious as the movie goes That that's something that they're playing with Is this idea of um, Grand consumption as, a, uh, as an indicator of how they're feeling um, There was one other thing that I wanted to address with this movie Oh, the um, I really liked the, the, the last sequence Before she has her epiphany um, Where she goes back to her family home um, and I think that for two reasons it worked very well. Like, I think this is something to go liberty on. I'm not 100% certain. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a Princess Diana scholar. Um, she died when I was, I think it was in my lifetime, but if it was, I was very young because it would have been the 90s. But she, um, you know, uh, fuck, what was I saying? Um, so we... Her house, I guess, shared a border with this manor that the king and queen went to for Christmas every year um, in England. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be real life. I'm not 100% certain on that, and it seems like too big of a coincidence for it to not be a thing. Plus, it doesn't quite mesh with anything we've been told about her over the course of this movie. Um, Like, in her her more middle-class upbringing... For her to be sharing this border, so I think that was a, an add-on. Um, at the end of the movie, toward the end of the movie, when she's going instead of going to dessert with the family, she goes to her family home instead, um, and she goes through. And I think that number one, the fact that it's there and it's it's just visible at all times, um, and it becomes this nagging thing for her is great because it kind of symbolizes the life she gave, she left behind. It, it's something that she can't have back And then when she goes there And she goes into the house And it's kind of just abandoned completely Like as if people were living there And then just left all of a sudden And then no one ever came back Like there's a dollhouse And it's, it's all her stuff we're, we're led to believe it's all her stuff So and when she finally does go back it's, it's kind of this thing where it's like You have abandoned this life And you can't go back to this life So by the time we get through the third act and she's going through the, um, and, and, you know, she does her thing where she's dancing through the halls of, of the, of the manor, and then she goes out and stops the, the, the hunt for the, the birds, um, to, to go and, you know, get her sons and leave, um, when we get to that point, it's, It's no long It's it's The the big thing about this Is past, present, and future Very early on We're introduced to that concept Um And She says to Harry and William and, And The only reason I know Any of these characters' names Besides Diana Is because They're real people Um So she says to them It's like Here there is no future And past and present are one Um and then when she goes to that that house and, and she has a conversation with the ambulance in her head, um, she she it, it's kind of this moment of realization it plays like where she it's kind of like she realizes that oh I you know I can't go back to this and this is what I've been longing for is for things to go back to the way they were um, and that won't happen. So I need to go and do something different. Um, and that's where that realization comes from. And I think that, like, why this movie works as a psychological thriller is because it's all things that make sense within the confines of the human psyche. And that is something that is the realization that has to happen to someone who is stuck in a depressive rut, who is, um... And I, I can say this as someone who is who suffers from you know major depressive disorder, like you know when when it, when you go through this and you feel like you know this longing for the past, it's an easy way to fall deeper. And for her, going to that house and seeing that look—you can see it; it's still there, but you can't go back to that life. That life is done. It's gone. It's not going to be here anymore. Um, and I think that, that really does a good job of moving us into the next phase of the, um, uh, what's it called, um, into the next phase of the, uh, of the, of the third act, um, I cannot recommend this movie highly enough, um, if you can see it, definitely do, I don't know how wide of a release it's getting, but it, it had like a 20 million dollar budget, so it's dirt cheap to make, um, But you can definitely get this movie in the theaters. It's definitely worth your time to watch. If you don't want to go to the theater, it'll definitely be on streaming at some point in the near future. Um, And again, I I will say this again. um, I think that um, Pablo Lorraine, I think his name is the director. The only reason that I went to see this movie um, is because of him. Because he did direct Natalie Portman a few years ago in Jackie to, I think she won the Academy Award for Jackie, um, and, and and he did, and he did that, and I, like, I think that that's a skill he has, um, and, and this movie is, is so well done, I think it, it makes a very strong case for him to get a, a nomination for Best Director, I think, um, that, that's how strong of an entry this movie is, um, so, if, if you if you enjoy, you know, if, if you think that this is, a, that this is an, an excellent movie, um, based on the people who were sitting in the row in front of me rounding third base, great date night movie is their endorsement. So, um, yeah, so we'll wrap up there. Next week's a slow week, which is kind of annoying because, like, only Belfast comes out, and then, like, the week after is King Richard and fucking, like, Master Universe, and I, I got, like, six things next, the weekend after, like, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and then, like, this weekend, Belfast, that's it, they probably wanted to give a wide berth for Eternals, but whatever, um, we'll wrap up there for today, um, we'll be back with Belfast, uh, next week, uh, probably Friday, um, so until then, have a great rest of your week.